Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. I'm here in the back house with Mustafa Rani Zeno. Mm -hmm. That's right. Did I get that? You got that right. Uh, this, okay, so there's all kinds of background I can give here, but Mustafa has produced this film called Dahlia's Other Country. Mm -hmm. This film, my friends, we're going to get to the film at some point, but thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. This I awesome. literally watched the film and had... I was like, oh, I want to ask about this. I want to ask about this. So I'm just going to fire away. And it. I'm just going to say up front, any questions that you're like, this guy doesn't know anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd like a blanket pass no, that's, on all ignorance. I, <laughs> that's always welcome. I, I, I love questions that go into really... Because you're the you're one, you're one of the producers of the film. Yeah, you're also I co-produced it with the director Julia Meltzer. Yes, mm -hmm. and I have questions for her as well. Okay. You're also like in the film, mm -hmm. right? So I had my own like, oh, I would like to ask him about this, this, mm -hmm. and this. So at some point, we'll get to the film and how people can watch it and all that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. but let's start with you grew up in Syria. So yeah, so I was actually born in L.A. Um, oh, really? I was. Uh, but I moved to Syria when I was five. Um, I grew up in Syria. I did K-12 in Syria. And then when it was time for college, I came back here. Uh, Where, in L.A.? You I were born? I was born in Santa Monica, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and when I came back to Southern California, I first lived in San Diego and then moved around a little bit and then finally made my way back to L.A. again. Tell me, so Syria was age five to age 19. Mm -hmm. And all the family is all there. Yes, yes. So um, my heritage on both sides um, is Syrian um, for many, many centuries. Um, literally centuries? Yeah, literally And you centuries. can trace it back. I can trace it back to three or four hundred years on both sides. Um, Whoa. And my, when my mom and my dad got married, um, my dad brought my mom over here. Um, because my dad came here for college. Let me start again. So my dad came here for college. When it was time for him to get married, he married my mom, who was at the time living in Saudi Arabia. She came here, and then his family followed, and then her family followed. And then, like, next thing you know, there's, like, a bunch of people from both their families who all came because of my dad um, and all, like, created businesses here and created families. And, um, and then at some point things in Syria were good and they all wanted to move back and you know many Syrians have this like really strong connection with their country and so when things were good they they all moved back to Syria both sides there I don't think there was really anyone left here in the US um, oh really and what what deter how do they determine good when you're essentially not mm -hmm. exile but when you're when you're out of where you're from right what determines okay it's good we can go back so most of my family, they first came here for economic reasons. Um, things just economically in Syria at the time, 60s, 70s, 80s were not really that great. Um, and so they came here. And at some point in the 90s, things were starting to look better. So in the 90s and 2000s, many of them went back. Um, until that is, the war happened. Right. And then they all again had to, had to move here again. So you're you're born here, then you moved to Syria. What is life like from age five to age nineteen? What's life like in Syria? <sighs> I am so grateful that I had the opportunity to to grow up in Syria. Um, especially, I mean, obviously after what has been going on there for the past few years. Um, but really, 
life in Syria, I mean, you grew up there, I, I'm from Aleppo, um, and so most people know Aleppo now because of the war, but I mean, the thing that really actually upsets me about the way that people know Aleppo now is that Aleppo is one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world. It has been inhabited for at least 10,000, if not 15,000 years, continuously. And so growing up in Aleppo, you grew up definitely with a sense of, of, um, sense of history, sense of tradition, sense of um, being connected to the past mm-hmm. um, in a way that um, living here in the U.S. I don't really feel. Yes. Um, and so, uh, so really, I'm, I'm really so grateful to have had the chance to grow up there, grow up with our, um, you know, culture and um, our different, you know, folkloric and cultural practices. And, and um, it, it really is, um, it, it, I think, really informs my life in a way that I, I don't think otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we see images of Aleppo sort of carcasses of buildings. Mm-hmm. But you grew up, it was a, a beautiful, very ancient slash modern mm-hmm. city. Did you grow up in the city? I grew up in the city, yeah. So you can walk everywhere. There's markets. Totally. There's friends you see on the street. It's like, it's, it's, it's a good life. It's so great because it's, it's pretty, I mean, pretty, pretty cosmopolitan. There's like about four and a half million people in Aleppo. Um, but at the same time, it's a pretty small city. Like you said, you can you can walk places, you can go to markets. Um, really, I mean, taking a cab from one end of the city to the other end is like a ten minute ride, really fifteen minute ride maybe. And and so it's so accessible. You have all four seasons. Um, winter is actually really cold, and sometimes it snows. And summer is really hot, and you have fall and spring, and it's 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 great. And and it is a very large small town. Everyone knows everyone. Um, and of course, there you know there are positives and negatives to that, as many people <laughs> who live in small towns know. Um, but uh, but it's really I, I really I miss it so much. I really yeah, miss it so much. I can I can feel that. So so Syria. What other Aleppo? There's Damascus. Damascus. Are there other big cities in Syria? There are several big cities. In the, so actually, Aleppo is larger than Damascus, even though Damascus is the capital. Okay. Um, there's Homs, which we also heard a lot about in the Homs. H O M S. Oh, okay. Um, that the destruction there was really, really bad before things started getting bad in Aleppo. Um, and there's Hama. Um, and there's Latakia. There's Tartus. There's Raqqa, where ISIS is um, camped out right now. Um, there's, there, there are a few large cities, but the, the largest ones are definitely... And growing up, you've been to all those, you travel around Syria. <sighs> you know what? Growing up in Syria, you kind of grew up in your bubble, wherever you oh, are. Really? I only started traveling. I mean, I, I traveled to Damascus and then on the way to Damascus, there's Hama and Homs and you, you kind of stop on the way. Um, but really, I mean, other than visiting Damascus every once in a while, maybe Latakia because Latakia is on the, on the Mediterranean. Um, I, I really didn't travel around a lot. Um, I really was mainly in Aleppo. Um, it's only after I moved here to the U.S. that I wanted to kind of explore the rest of my culture and history. And so when I went back, I would like try to go to all these places I'd never known about before. It, you had to leave in order to be like, oh, wait, that thing that was totally. back there is actually quite interesting. Totally. Now, your family's Muslim. Yes. And is Aleppo, was Aleppo growing up in Aleppo? Is everybody Muslim? No, no. So we have a huge Christian community. Um, historically, we had also a huge Jewish community, um, something that uh, when I grew up did not exist anymore, um, and something that in my adult life also was a huge interest of mine. I um, 
traveled and, and did a lot of research about this Syrian Jewish community because it's a community that I would hear a lot about, um, but it was nowhere really to be found. Um, and we have a huge, um, as, as far as Christians go, we have a huge Armenian community, um, many of whom um, moved to Syria actually after the uh, Armenian genocide. Um, oh my word, so, th so the Armenians leave Armenia mm -hmm. because it gets bad. Right. They move to Syria, which right. then gets bad. Right. And so... Which then they have to move again. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's ironic because many of those Syrians... I, I live in Glendale here in LA, and it's a huge Armenian community there. And so many Syrians actually came here to... And, and Armenians came to Glendale um, and now are refugees here in the U.S. but live amongst the Armenians because of the similarity in, in culture. <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to a dude... I met a guy who said he was a youth pastor from North Dakota, like mm -hmm. Sioux Falls or something, and mm -hmm. I made a joke, something like... Wow, so I picture just kids who like grew up on farms. Honestly, mm. that's the and he's like, actually, my my youth group's mostly Iraqis. Uh, that's funny. And it was just such a funny. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sioux Falls, whatever South Dakota is where most uh, lots of Iraqis. Yeah, come. refugees, totally. And it's just so fascinating how certain pockets around the world, mm -hmm. a certain group, where when things have gotten bad, mm -hmm. go. There. Yeah. So Glendale, California. Glendale, California. That's where it's at. Ah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, and, so were you a minority as a Muslim in Aleppo? So, no, you're definitely not a minority. I mean, I think uh, Muslims in Aleppo are about 70%. Oh, okay. Um, and so you're still a majority, but there are huge minorities of other types of people. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's kind of similar with all of Syria. I mean, Syria has many people might know um, a lot of really old Christian history. Mm -hmm. um, also, one of the oldest uh, Christian communities in the world is in Syria. We have the um, Syriac people who still speak some form of Aramaic, um, a form of Aramaic that Jesus probably would not have understood. <laughs> they probably would not understand Jesus. Um, it is something that, that many of them are really proud of, um, but, it, uh, and uh, there's definitely a connection there, but it, it's, it is not mutually intelligible with that. <laughs> with, uh, yeah. So why do you leave this city that you love mm -hmm. and go to school in the States? So, um, so you're 19? I was 19. Um, I tried to dabble the idea of staying in Aleppo for college, but really universities in Syria were just not that great, especially when I, um, it was time for me to go to college. Um, most of the universities were public universities. Um, most education was public education. There was really a lot of control by the government over... Um, I went to technically a private school, um, you know, grade, K through 12, but it really, I mean, it was pretty much public. Um, the, the curriculum was what the public um, school system kind of mm -hmm. forced you to, to, to go through and... and um, it was just a lot of memorization and not really, we didn't really have labs. And I mean, you, you grow up knowing um, a lot of science and math um, and it's very, very science heavy. Um, and so when I came here to the U.S., I, I was already like in very advanced, you know, calculus, um, but I was forced to do like college algebra. And I was like, I did this in like eighth grade. I really don't <laughs> want to do this. Um, so it's great for things like that. But um, uh, I am now a filmmaker and that's just not something i mean the arts in general 
nowadays in Syria, sadly, are not really a huge focus. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, Syria, especially Aleppo, has been a huge center for the arts. Um, but um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really have a lot of opportunities, and I have American citizenship, and so my dad really didn't want me to come back to the U.S. because he didn't want me because he had spent a lot of time here in the u.s and he had kind of lost himself here and he ended up losing out on spending a lot of time with his family in syria because of it and so he really didn't want me to go through the same thing he hints at that in the film i have a bunch of questions about your father Uh like classic like star wars your father we're gonna have to talk about your father (laughs) the film and we're skipping ahead here my friends that's fine but the presence of your father in the film Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to like keep on track here because I want to leap ahead to him. So you come to the States. Your father doesn't want you to come to the States. Um, And where do you go to school? I went to a bunch of community colleges and then ended up at um, Cal State Northridge at CSUN. But but there aren't families all back in Syria. Family is mostly in Syria. I have some of my mom's family in Temecula, which is an hour and a half southeast of LA. Um, But yes, but most of my family is in Syria. Did you go back and forth from L.A. to Syria? I did. I would visit about every year and a half. I would, I would go back. And at and that time, visit. Syria is peaceful. Yes, it's great. Has Assad come to power yet? Um, he has been... Assad, the father, has been in power since the 1970s. So you grew up with Assad, the father. Yes, I grew up with Assad, the Who father. Who was at least tolerated or... So it's... I mean, both the father and the son are really bittersweet. I mean, they're both dictators. There's no way, you know, around that. Um, at the same time, the country was extremely safe under both of them. You didn't really have... There were a lot of civil liberties that you didn't have. I mean, um, there was no freedom of press and, um, you know, freedom of expression was definitely controlled, um, but it was a, a very, very safe place to grow up in. Did you talk about this with people? Would you... It was just a common thing you talk about. Hey, there's no freedom of press. Not outwardly. I mean, with your friends, it's kind of known, and you kind of talk about it privately. Mm-hmm. Um, but publicly, it's not something you really you really talk about. And so, basically, living in Syria, it's like if you stay out of the hair of the government and yes. don't criticize the government, you live a great life. You know, for the most part, there are definitely people who um, there are definitely people who benefit from, from from the system more than others and um there definitely you know there's definitely corruption where if you you know sleep with the government you can um you know make money in a way that you wouldn't otherwise yeah. and so there are definitely these th- dynamics like that but for the most part if you just kept yourself you live a great life so and people would use the word dictator we live under a dictator again privately not publicly but that was a, that would be a common thing among friends is yes that was that was a well known thing, and that was, you know, and and you kind of you you learn how to speak in code, and um, you know you'd have to go on these like mandatory kind of uh, marches, you know, showing support to the president, and no one really took it seriously. No one really cared that yeah, much. Yeah, so this is always my question. So you would be asked like show up at whatever square mm-hmm. right, at right, right. nine a.m. for. Right. <clears throat> Whatever. Did you have to wear anything special? I mean, well, you would wear your. Uh, you would be asked. I mean, to leave basically school to go to these things. And we're like, of course, I'll leave it's school like to go trip. to that. Basically, it's a field trip to go and show your support to the president. And no one really believed, you know, whatever they were chanting or or marching for. But they were like, all right, it's better than going to school. You Which know? was our our leader is great. Long yeah, live yeah, Syria, yeah. We will, you know, we will. Um, uh, we will give our our soul and our blood for you. You know. 
But you and your friends are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Have you heard the new Killers album? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. Totally. Oh, fascinating. Okay, then, so you're here. Mm-hmm. Then Assad's son comes to power, yes. who's kind of more of the same. More of the same. There was a lot of hope that it was going to be a lot better. You know, he seemed to be more open. He's younger. Um, he kind of, I don't know, he, he kind of came... Uh, he wanted to be the cool president. And so people were really excited about it in the beginning. Um, and the things were really good for a few years. There was something called the Damascus Spring back then, before the Arab Spring, before anything like that. Um, but then very soon... Like an uprising. It, it wasn't an uprising. No, th- this was a spring because Bashar al-Assad, the son, he had actually just made things a lot better for people. There was just more freedom, Um uh, again, arts were flourishing again, and and people were just um, uh, I don't know happier um, for a while, and then soon he just became more and more of the same as his father. Heavy-handed, yes, violent, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And then when you speak of the for the war, then mm-hmm. happens when two thousand and eleven is when that started. March of two thousand eleven. And that is a, a an organized rebellion against Assad. So it started out as actually something that was not organized at all. It just kind of happened. Um, and it was something where a bunch of kids, they were seeing things on the news about uprisings happening in Egypt. And they started chanting kind of similar chants that, that we want to take top of the regime. Um, and there were literally a bunch of kids, and then the army responded in a very aggressive manner. And that's when the... it's a, It was a small town, kind of close to Damascus, um, and that's when the people of that town kind of came up and, and, and were, like, upset about it, and were like, these are kids, and they were just kind of saying things, and, and the these children were killed. And so um, they tried to, um, again, try to get their voice heard. No one was hearing them. Um, again, they were, um, being muted, uh, and then soon after that just get, started getting larger and larger. And by the time, maybe a month or two in, the president did end up apologizing for the way that they responded to, you know, because the, the government kids. killed a bunch of kids. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the government acknowledged, Assad acknowledged, acknowledged a few months later that that might've been not a great idea, but it was too late. Because they had already yeah. messed up and people were already upset. And I mean, and then when you live under dictatorship for a really long time, you have a lot of um, emotions that are just kind of bottled up for a really long time. And um, and then so when once these emotions come out, it's like it, the floodgates are open and, and it just it's hard to close that. It's up. like it takes somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hate to say it takes a death or a sacrifice, right. but yeah. But kids sure. get killed by mm-hmm. the government and right. somehow it breaks open something that mm-hmm. can't be put back together. Exactly. And then exactly. people feel emboldened and then more people feel emboldened and then totally. someone dies and that inspires them. Exactly. And then now you have a, a revolt or rebellion. A revolt, a rebellion, a civil war, a proxy war. It's, it's a lot of things at once. And this starts in 2011. When does Aleppo start getting, become, does Aleppo become the center of the conflict? Um... Not until about a year later. Aleppo is the economic center of, of Syria. Um, it, there's a lot of industry there. There's, um, it's really, I mean, most of the, the um, most people are some form of um, really uh, entrepreneurs of some sort. Um, and so uh, 
it is a really important place to have, you know, if you want to be in power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not until about a year after, until things start getting bad, and that's when my family moved to the U.S. Yeah. Um, and then when did we, like, when we started seeing those ep- images of Aleppo mm-hmm. in the Western media. Right. That was probably about a couple years in. And that's when you see whole blocks yes. that have just been bombed mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So this was a flourishing cosmopolitan city in the center of the world. Mm-hmm. Your home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that raised you, right. when you start seeing images of streets you used to walk right. that are just blown apart, mm-hmm. what's that like for you? I mean, honestly, I, I don't think that uh, six years later, I don't think I've like dealt with those images yet, honestly. Oh, it's, really? It's really, really difficult. Like now talking about it, I'm like, getting a little bit choked mm-hmm. up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really hard for so many different reasons and on so many levels because, um, again, like you said, like this is like when you see, I mean, it, it's it's like when I see somewhere else, I mean, demolished, that's not where I grew up. I'm like, I, this that's really sad, but I don't know what that is and where that is and what was there before. But when you grow up in a place and then you see that same exact location, you know, demolished, it, you like you have memories there. You remember going there, you know, walking through there with your friends, even if you didn't live there. You remember, oh, we went to this place and we used to eat whatever falafel at this place, and 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 um, you know, we used to go to um, the the Turkish bathhouse and in and, and this place, and so like it, it's it's really it's so different. It, it it's um uh it's really difficult and and also it's really hard because again like now people know what syria is and what aleppo is and and what they know it to be is very different than how i know it to be and also very different even than what it is even today actually because even what we see today we see only the destruction of aleppo there's a whole part of aleppo the west side of aleppo is actually pretty much intact i mean life is really difficult and people don't have uh water and electricity for days on end sometimes weeks and so life is really difficult but life is going on and and people are um you know it's people are not victims and that's that's the one thing that it really like it really kills me to see kind of syrians only as victims in the media and then syria only as a destroyed place and i'm like that's not the full story at all and Syrians, most Syrians do not see themselves as victims. Um, most Syrians, you know, wherever they do go, um, you know, all these places that often reject them, they go and they're extremely um, good at understanding the system, knowing how it works, and really jumping right in and really making something of themselves. Um, I mean, Syrians, honestly, are extremely adaptable. And I think that's just a historical thing. I mean, um, you see Syrians and physically they look very diverse it's because everyone kind of went through syria um <laughs> it was just kind of like yeah. the place to, to go through whether you're like you know the moguls or the the romans or the the greeks or uh, um you know uh, the the syriacs every everyone is there the french um a modern know. syrian mm-hmm. isn't is shaped by things that happened 500 years ago 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Oh, my word. That's so fascinating. So you're seeing all this. It gets bad. Mm-hmm. Aleppo gets more and more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And your sister, who at that time is 13 mm-hmm. or 14? 13. Your sister and mom mm-hmm. 
Dahlia and your mom's name? Dahlia and Rodina. Dahlia and Rodina. 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 Mm-hmm. They realize it's time to get out. Yes. Yeah. And is their only thought get to America? Is there, do they consider multiple places to... Um, well, so there could have been other possibilities, but right before, right as the war was happening, my mom and my dad were getting a divorce. And so had they not gotten a divorce, then my mom and my sister would have probably gone to Turkey with my dad. And that's where so he is right did now. did your dad leave Aleppo the same time your mom and sister did? A couple months after them. So right around the same time. Right around the same time. Your parents divorced. We're going to get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Your dad goes to Turkey. Did, mm-hmm. Were lots of people going to Turkey? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Turkey. Similar cultures? Very similar cultures. Different religion. Um, um, sorry. Very similar cultures. Different language. Um, oh, that's right. And, um, but, um, yes. I mean, my dad really feels From Arabic home. to Turkish? Turkish. Exactly. Yes. There are a lot of words in Turkish that are Arabic, and there are a lot of words in Aleppin. Arabic that are from Turkish because we're so um, close mm-hmm. to each other. Um, but yes, the languages are completely different. Um, and uh, so it's it's really, I mean, even people going to Turkey, um, or when you see refugees in the, in the news, um, I mean, I think people don't really understand what it means to leave Syria, to go to Turkey, or to go to, you know, Greece, or to, to go to these other countries. It's not that easy. People are like, oh my God, it's, there's so much destruction there. Why aren't people like, why is your family still there? And I have, I still have my aunts and my, a lot of my cousins there, a lot of extended family. And they're like, why are they still there? And I'm like, again, one, it's not as bad as you think. It's horrible, but it's not as bad as you think. And two, it's a really huge deal to leave your city, your country, a place where you understand the system, the the, the language, the culture. Um, you have yeah. some, you know, you have some support to go somewhere um, even next door in Turkey or even Lebanon, a place where it speaks the same language. It's extremely difficult. It's interesting what you said. When we see images of some war-torn area, you just said two things. It's horrible and it's not as bad as you think. Totally. And it's both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, in, that's fascinating. In some ways, I think in some ways it's, it's, it's worse than you think and it's better than you think both at once. Oh, my word. Really? Okay, so... Your mom and sister decide to come to L.A. Mm-hmm. Your sister is going to be a freshman in high school. Yes, sir. Who thought we should film mm-hmm. my sister mm-hmm. coming to America to start high school, having known only Syria? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that idea was actually, at the time I was working with Julia Meltzer. Uh, she's a film director who had directed a film about a girls' Quran school in Syria. Um, Julia had spent some time in Syria and, and um, uh, made this documentary about a world that I felt like I should have known, but I had no idea anything about until I came. I, I she's an American. She's an American. So an American made a Syrian film, yes. and you, as a Syrian in America, were like, I don't even, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I watched the film. I was like, this is great. I'm like, this is a world I have no idea anything about. And she kind of portrayed it in such a, I don't know, such an honesty and intimacy and and um, realism that I really really appreciated. And I was like, I want to work. On, on this film with you. And so I helped her with distribution on The Light in Her Eyes. And while I, w- while I was working with her, that's when my mom and my sister uh, moved here to the U.S. And Julia had spent some time in Aleppo and she was really devastated about what was going on there. And she was like asking me about different families that were coming here. And she, you know, she wanted to film, you know, some families and, and, and follow them um, to kind of show also how, um, you know, the war halfway around the world affects people, you know, here in LA even. Um, and she was like, well, 
what about your mom and my your sister? And I was like, actually, that's a really good idea because I had already started to see kind of the beginning of their arcs. Um, and I already started seeing them um, kind of start changing. My sister was going through, she was going through phases so quickly, um, uh, trying different things out. I can tell that she was trying to find herself. And I was like, I, I, I bet there are going to be a, some really interesting things, you know, that happen with them. And I think a lot of people go through similar things. And I think it'd be really important to document this. Oh, my word. I don't want to give too much of the film away. Um, did you know that your sister is kind of magnetic? Um, Have people said this to you? <laughs> I, not she's really. She's r- strangely compelling. Would, yeah. Can we all agree? She's strange. She is. She's like, great. You're kind of riveted. She's like a... At what point, when I first meet her in the film, uh-huh. how old is she? She was 13 still. And she's talking like 13-year-old girl, you know, like, yeah. well, you know, I'm thinking. Right, right. And yet, it's, you're in. Yeah. You're hooked. She's, she's great on camera. I am not. <laughs> I get really clammy when I get in front of the camera. And when I, we fe- first meet you, you're a little mumbly. I'm a little mumbly. You're a little mumblecore. I'm, I'm, I'm total mumblecore. <laughs> totally. Um... I mean, I, I mumble in general, but especially when I'm on camera. But she's I, so she's clear not, and articulate. She's she is. She's 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 great. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea actually. I had no oh, idea. Oh, interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I, I mean, I knew she was like she's a very like happy, smiley, bubbly person. She is. But I mean, as my sister, I'm just like you're annoying. I, I you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're like an annoying kid. Um, I mean, obviously, I love her very, very much. And and but but you know, you're you're a sibling. You know, you know you. You don't see your sibling in the same way, but when I started seeing the footage, I was like, "You're really good on camera." Yeah. Did she know it? I, no. What did she think about having a movie no made about her? She has. She still has no idea that she's so good on camera. She still has no idea that she's good in interviews. She's still like, "Oh my god, that interview was so horrible," and everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" Because she, when we meet her, she's in L.A. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, this." The odds are stacked against. Mm-hmm. Her, you mm-hmm. feel her, you feel her loneliness, mm-hmm. you feel her, she has the hijab? Hijab. Hijab. Mm-hmm. I gave it a shot. Yeah. Hijab. Yeah. Good shot. Yeah. She's the only mm-hmm. girl in the school. Yes. And you're just like, this is not, I mean, part of you as the viewer is like, this is not going to go well. Yeah, right, right. This is not, Yeah. I don't even know if I want to see where this goes. So then you follow her, mm-hmm. I mean, the film... I mean, for viewers, when all of a sudden I realized, oh, I think we're going to follow her for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We the film takes oh, place over four years. Over her, so her we high school. So kind of years. watch a girl go all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. By the way, the dance scene mm-hmm. <laughs> is unbelievable. Yeah, she's because of how we first we, when we first meet her mm-hmm. to the dance is that's did you know that's magic? Were you as a film producer like that's magic? You know what? That we get to show that. So I try to stay away from the footage and what was going on as much as possible. <laughs> I left that to Julia. Um, so I didn't really, I, I didn't really see these things. I, I mean, I, I saw the dance scene. I saw all these things separately. I didn't see them strung out until, yeah. you know, pretty um, late. And so when I saw the dance scene, I was like, I, I had no idea my sister was so good. Um, yeah. And, but, but yeah, no, I, at the time I really, I had no idea. And that's, that's really one of the blessings about having a film made about your family, you know, and taking these like somewhat really, really mundane moments of your life and kind of stringing them all out. Um, 
over four years, it's really, I mean, it's really a testament to how powerful documentary filmmaking is. Yes. It's really, I mean, to be able to see your life in kind of a bird's eye view is really so powerful. And it really kind of gives perspective. All of us like are going through our life, you know, in the grind every day and things are hard and, you know, you're just kind of pushing through and, but like when you're able to step back and really look at your life over several years, you're like, it's worth it. Like, all of this, yeah. like the daily grind is totally worth it. Like things are not stagnant. Things do change over years. And that's, it's, it's really great. Yeah. I had that sense watching the film, like what a gift Yeah, you, you gave yourself to produce this film because it's okay. Now I don't want to give too much of the film away, but mm-hmm. partway through the film, mm-hmm. your dad mm-hmm. shows up. Mm-hmm. We find out that the reason your parents divorced is because your dad married a, another woman. Mm-hmm. Right. As as is his understanding of the Muslim faith. Right. Like, I'm allowed to marry multiple women, so right. I'm going to. Right. Your mom is like, no. Mm-hmm. She has her own interpretation of Quran, which, right. which I think later on was kind of awesome. <laughs> Very awesome. But we'll get to that in a second. So then your dad shows up mm-hmm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. When that... How did you think it was going to go? There's obviously a lot of love. Right. But I also have to imagine you were, you were like, we're going to film this. What are we thinking? Like this yeah. could... Yeah. I really, I really didn't know how it was going to go. I, I knew how I hoped that it would go. Um, I hoped that it would not work out, that he would come back and try to, you know, get back with my mom. I, I, I was hoping it wouldn't work out. Because that would mean your mom had at some level take well i don't know taking steps back or how you i mean i think i think yeah in a way yes because i think in a way i mean people they got divorced for a reason it wasn't just the the marriage thing i mean that was one of the things but i i think it just they it didn't work out yeah and i mean for us as kids and my sister says this in the film she's like I would rather them not, honestly. Like yeah. when they're together, yeah, yeah. they're not that pleasant. So I'd rather them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you know? I remember her mentioning that. Yeah, and so um, and so for that reason, I think I think my mom. It was really difficult for my mom to be on her own for the first time in a really long time. And so I think part of her really wanted for it to work out. But I knew really as an outsider that she was much happier. Yeah. On her own than she ever was with him. And she so has we, this line about how I have my kids. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm fine. Right. That's just, you're like, oh yeah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's, that's really, I think for her, it really is about, you know, she has her kids around her. My brother is in New York, so he's not really close and he comes and visits. But like, I think for her at the end of the day, it's like, no, I mean, I have my kids around me. Um, I, I don't really need to, to be with someone that, is not going to, I don't know, treat me the way that I feel like I should be treated. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where, I mean, so so the multiple marriages thing, it, it's kind of emblematic of that in a way that, I mean, my mom and my dad, like you said, have different interpretations of the Quran. My dad has a certain type of conservative interpretation. That's not a straight conservative interpretation because actually a very conservative interpretation of the concept of multiple marriages. In the Quran, it says you can marry two, three, or four wives. Four meaning max. At the time, that came down as a limitation because before Islam, men could marry an unlimited amount of wives. And so at that time, it was like, what What are you talking about? Only four? That's 
BS. Only four was oddly a step towards progress. Exactly. So actually, that that verse is a really Which that right there sort of blows your mind. So <laughs> so that actually that verse was a really revolutionary verse at the time. It was kind of like no 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 no. You can't marry unlimited. You can marry maximum four. And then the context that you could marry four, it was in the context of if you are taking care of orphans and you fear that you can't really take care of them and you marry their mothers basically as a way of taking care of the mom and the orphans, orphans meaning without a dad, then every time, the most times, the multiple marriages um, uh, are mentioned in the Quran, it's mentioned in that prison. Uh, it's like a legal setup to exactly. protect. To protect, to provide um, um, to um, people who, again, at the time, with, you know, a lot of wars, there were a lot of men that would go to war and never come back. And so there was a need, especially the, the way that, you know, societies happened back then. It was, they were very patriarchal. Women could not, you know, just go out and work in the same way that they can today. And so the system was really put in place for that. Um, and so... Which is so fascinating because you're describing polygamy and I'm I'm kind of get... I've Like, that's not something I'm going to be for. <laughs> and yet you're putting right. it in its historic context right. and I'm at least going, oh, I hadn't understood that angle. Right, right. Which... It's kind of what I do with the Bible all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Something you're like, no, that's bad. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But when you go back and actually put it in the context of the of historical context, right. you're like, actually, this is pretty revolutionary. And so that's my understanding. And that would have been a move forward. Yeah, got it. Exactly. And so that for me, I mean, that's, I know that it came that, you know, that um, those verses came down at the time for a very specific reason that was very positive. And I think if we continue on with the spirit of that, then multiple marriages are not only not required today because we live in different, especially here in the U.S. I mean, I think there are still places around the world where it's really difficult maybe for women to to, to provide for themselves. And I think maybe okay, maybe there is a, a place for that. Um, but for the most part, I think in our modern you know context, I, I think not only is there not a need for that, but if we're not, if we are going to continue on with the same spirit of that verse, um, that we, this is really about women's rights, you know? Okay, because that's what comes up with your mom, mm -hmm. is your mom is, I don't know what the word is, evolving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your mom is like, I'm not going to live mm -hmm. dominated or whatever language you would mm -hmm. use by a man. Yeah, yeah. She's like refusing right. certain cultural codes, mm -hmm. religious codes, mm -hmm. and... I feel that like it's like a feels like a base note of the mm -hmm. film, which is fascinating to me when I saw that it's directed by Julia and mm -hmm. I think the other producer was a woman who of course I have a thousand questions them as well. Mm -hmm. But it was like this takes a great mm -hmm. only a woman could make a film this good. <laughs> yeah. In essence, because she's just showing right. what happens when women mm -hmm. are like, No. Right. right. We're right. not gonna do this anymore. I mean really the whole our our whole team are women, except for me. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, and that was a huge asset to the film for sure. I think my mom would have never felt this comfortable opened up and talked about something to open. Yeah, right. yeah. And open up uh, to someone if it wasn't really I mean, Julia, the cinematographer, the sound person. I mean, really like everyone, you know, the whole, do you think um, Julia would come on the Robcast? I think she would. Yeah. Does she live around here? She does. She lives in okay. Silver Lake. Yeah. Can you put in a good word for me? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So your dad shows up. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was so fascinating, first off, all we know as the viewer is he took another wife. So right. we're like, I mean, in our, in our basic viewing of films, we're like, bad guy. Right. But we know that your sister loves him. So mm -hmm. we're like, 
well, she loves him because it's her mm-hmm. dad, obviously. Right. Then he shows up and we love him because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're like, he's cool. Yeah. I mean, or he's dad. Right. Like, we want to kiss him on each cheek like you do. Right. Like, um, and then we see that he's very, very devout Muslim. Mm-hmm. And we're like, mm-hmm. fair play. Yeah. But then he, it's like what matters to him mm-hmm. is that your sister is a good Muslim. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's almost like he's, uh, you wear the hijab. Right. Right. His, he like takes this whole thing, because you as the viewer are like, go, because we want your sister. It's like the odds are stacked against it. She's making it. Mm-hmm. And what he's excited about. Mm-hmm. Did is, you, I mean, obviously yeah. you put all that in the film on purpose. Right. Because um, part of it's like, oh man, mm-hmm. this is, yeah. this is tough. Yeah. And then later, of course, when she says to the camera, she's a feminist. Right. And he's asking her what time she's going to be home from prom. You're like, right. I mean, this is a story of everybody from every tribe. Right. Everybody right. from every religion who's been given a way of being. Mm-hmm. And then they keep going. They keep growing. They mm-hmm. keep expanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought of every person I've ever talked to from a tribe where the elders of the tribe are like, this is how it's done. And they're like, you don't understand how the world is. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, at that moment, the film goes from the particular to the universal, mm-hmm. like, hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, We're yeah, talking totally, about totally. everybody who's... Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I, I love that that's what you saw, because, I mean, I think that's, that's exactly... I mean, dealing with these issues about the hijab and about multiple marriages and, and these issues, I mean, for me, as, you know, with the big brother hat now, yes. is it's the vulnerable thing. I mean, to talk about talk to people about yeah my dad had a second wife like that's like so taboo here in in the u.s right um but i think i firmly believe does that come up with your friends here in la um it does it does sometimes not a lot um and how do people respond i think i don't i think people shy away from really delving deep into it Um, i find it fascinating i mean i I think it's completely fascinating and 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 so again with the filmmaker hat on i completely believe that if you really go deep enough into these cultural practices that, you know, when you first look at them, you're like, those are so weird. I don't understand how these people do this, or that's really backwards, or this is really that. You're just mental. But if you really go deep enough into it, you really understand it in a way, um, like you said, that becomes really universal because you understand it at a level, at a visceral level, that is not just like this rational, like, you know, A plus B equals C. You really understand actually what the value of a lot of these cultural practices are. And so for instance, again, for my sister, Wearing the headscarf is a really important part of who she is today, um, and what that meant over you know the um, the time of, of the film that, that changes, um, but nonetheless it is something that she that really anchors her. Um, yes, and really something that is absolutely has been a source of strength for my sister. Because you're honestly watching the film like oh there's gonna be a final scene like the final like end of footloose Mm -hmm. she's gonna like hair flying she's gonna throw that thing off and she's gonna and instead she's like no actually i like it yeah it means something to me and i think this is a really important thing because but i just referenced i just referenced footloose Footloose. (laughs) seriously which she loves loves footloose well (laughs) right there we go then it's apt Um, i'll do my research yeah Um, and I think I think this is I think this is a really important story to show because I think so often in the U.S. and in Western media in general we're like 
liberate the Muslim women, you know, it's America now. Like, they don't have to wear that anymore. Like, they're not forced to wear it anymore. Like, they can take it off now. And we actually, like, we had the New York Times Optox piece. And, like, you read the the, the um, comments, which were surprisingly positive. Actually, I was really surprised about that. But But then, you know, some of them are like, don't worry, honey, like, you live in America now. You don't have to wear it anymore. And I'm like, did you, like, miss the whole point of this? Like, she actually really likes it she enjoys it this is a source of strength for her why would you take that away from someone mm-hmm. it isn't, isn't feminism and like you know it isn't like progress and feminism about actually empowering people to define wh- who they are for their own selves and so what is often seen as anti-feminist mm-hmm. you're simply saying hold on hold on right let people own their own expression their own rituals Absolutely. their own traditions their Absolutely. own yeah, because you have no idea what actually what the spirit is animating the form. It may be something com- that you've completely missed. Totally, totally. And I think I think the hijab for some women could be oppressive. That, yes, that definitely can exist. I'm not gonna say the hijab is a feminist symbol. I'm not gonna make it that. I think it, it depends on. It's a tool. It's a piece of cloth. Really, it's just a piece of cloth, and it really is whatever that person wearing it makes of it, or whatever their experience of it is. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think that is that again going specific with each person's specific experience with something is really, really important um, to, again, humanize um, people and not to kind of, kind of just cast with a, with a, with a wide... Absolutely. You know, Ram Dass, Ram Dass often makes the distinction in a lot of his writings between form and spirit. Mm. Uh, two people may be doing the same thing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. form, mm-hmm. but it's animated by completely different spirits. Totally. Um, oh, that's so fascinating. So, not now... Um, I'm trying to think of details about the film. Where can people see the film? So, because not all many people are going to want to see the film. <laughs> well, um, the film just premiered on um, PBS mm-hmm. um, last night, actually. And it's called. It's called Dahlia's Other Country. Okay, Dahlia's um, Other Country. Mm-hmm. If you D A L Y A. Uh huh. Exactly. D A L D A L Y A apostrophe S. Um, other Country. Yep. Um, and. You, if you go to PBS and look up Dolly's Other Country, you will both find your local listings, and you can watch it um, on your local PBS channel. Um, it's going to be uh, screaming, screening um, many times in the next uh, few weeks. Also, you're able to stream it on PBS.org. Oh, great. And just watch it on your computer. Fantastic. And are, have you done screenings around the country? or around? We have done a few screenings. We just premiered at the LA Film Fest um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had another screening here in LA. We had a screening in San Diego. We've, we, we, and we have screenings all over the U S and we will be having through PBS. We will be having a lot of screenings. And if anyone is interested in screening it in their hometown, please reach out. Um, how do people get a hold of you or how to get a hold of the film? So you can um, follow us on, uh, Facebook and on Instagram at Dahlia's other country, uh, on Twitter, we're at Dahlia's OC, um, on our website is dolliesothercountry.com. Really, any any of those ways you can reach out to us. And yeah, we'd love to, to set up a screening. And what does your sister think about all this? She she loves the film. Um, she is ambivalent about sharing her life with the world. Yes, in, I can see that. That way. Um, but I think for the most part, I think she really, um, it was a really empower, empowering thing for her again, to see herself, you know, being completely just fresh off the boat um, four years ago and then 
where she's arrived today, I think I think it, it really um, kind of gave her perspective in a way that that she otherwise would not have had. Did your mom come to a screening? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They were both at the uh, at the premiere. Um, they, my mom loves it also. She invited all of her friends to come to the premiere, and it was a big party. It was. And it, your dad knows about all this? Yeah, yeah. My dad all knows about all of this. He saw the film too, and um, you know he. Course he had you know we have our differences on how we see things, <laughs> but like you know, but he's my dad and yeah, you know, we're right. his family and um, yeah, it, and and we do in the film we pick up tremendous love mm-hmm. between all of you and your father. I mean, honestly, my dad growing up was really the most loving father you could ever ask for. Honestly, yeah, you can like, pick it up in the film. You know, you you see, my mom, my mom is a hard ass. My mom, she's a really tough woman. You, you know? know, I was actually, I don't know. I mean, is there an Arabic for badass? Because your mom, <laughs> there are a number of times when you're like, your mom. She's a complete badass. Yeah. Was actually, that was one of my final questions that was going to be about your mom. Because yeah, she is. And so actually, my mom was just like, you and know. She she, came, and she goes to college when she gets here. She does. She does. She and she graduates. She graduates. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, so awesome. Yeah, yeah, and she's continuing on, and people who will watch the film will see where she goes. Because there's a line in the film where she says, my entire life was cooking and taking care of kids mm-hmm. and entertaining people in my home. Right. And then she goes back to school, and you're like, and she says, technology, all this is brand new, and that yet she actually goes after it. Oh my god. My mom is made of 100% grit. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's literally like that's I Absolutely. mean she was the one growing up who was like just really hard on us and like tough love and you have to you know you have to make her bed and you have to help out in the home and and you know uh and my dad was like, "Oh no, no, don't worry. Don't worry, honey. Like here's like here's an orange. Like just just <laughs> I want to make sure you're getting your nutrition, you know." Um and so uh so it's really I mean it, it's 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 really great to have kind of grown up with both. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, my dad really was a very, very loving father. Um, I, I mean, you, you, uh, you don't see it enough in the film because he's not here, but, uh, but really, I could not have hoped for a wow. more caring father. Well, I mean, thank you for making this. Of course. It's very, very interesting. I'm, I'm sure I'll have five hours more of questions later. <laughs> but um, yes, people, anything you want to add at the end? Um, yes. I'm going to say, please reach out to the local refugees wherever you live. There are refugees Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, There are immigrants everywhere. Um, It's really difficult to be living in a country, in a world that you did not grow up in. Please reach out to people, get to know them, understand who they are, and, you know, maybe use your own privilege um, of really being of the system and, and helping them out. I think it, it really, um, a little bit of time uh, and, and, and a good ear really, really goes a long way. Oh, so well said. Thank you. Thank you so much Thank for having Thank you. Me. So inspiring. This is so much fun. You're so articulate. It's just oh, so good. Seriously. Thank you. My friends, grace and peace. <laughs>